how does Mike Leach uh, celebrate a win like that? What are you going to be doing tonight to, uh, to, to celebrate a big victory for you in this program? I'm going to get on a bus and I'm going to ride for four hours to uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Now, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but when that ball went through the uprights, it was one of the prettiest things I'd ever seen. We just beat LSU on the road. Go Hawks! Yeah, great team win for us. Always good to uh, keep the Mayor's Cup where it belongs in the city of Columbia. You like that? Could have gone to either Columbia. Ten and zero, undefeated in the SEC. Uh, that's where we've gotten. It makes no guarantee for what's going to happen in the future. We got a lot of guys that we've got to try to get better and, and improve, and um, we got to tackle better. There's a lot of things we can work on to get better. And you know what I love is the being in that locker room over there beside me. They all know that, and uh, nobody thinks they've arrived. Um, there's things we can work on and get better at, and they'll continue to do it. But, uh, oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, let me tell you. Spring is done in the SEC, and I could tell by the content we have on this show. <laughs> But I can't uh, shed. I can't. Yeah, I don't have any more dog stories. <laughs> they were great today, Mike. So uh, you're going to have to fill this one in. <laughs> yeah, so we got the NFL draft coming up, of course, yeah. on Thursday. So I got a little nugget here. I thought this was pretty interesting. We got a fan question. I thought this was a great one. And then mm-hmm. I reached out to a new friend here, Shane, Stefan Krajiznik. He covers mm-hmm. the Mississippi State Bulldogs for the Clarion Leisure. So this is going to be a quality, quality show here, buddy. But before we get rolling, what do you think? Did you see this clip? Let's let's play it here on YouTube. Play it for the audience. Old Darius Rucker. I don't think he's got too many friends on Rocky Top right now. Fuck Tennessee. So how about it, Shane? I mean, he's played up to the crowd. I get, you know, I give him credit for it. But uh, we always kid. You ain't gonna be seeing this type of stuff in the Pac-12 country. I mean. Even no. even these musicians, man, they they play up to the SEC crowds. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I've never. I mean, since Hootie, I've never really been a Rucker fan. You know, <laughs> especially since he's all in on South Carolina. It, it's just it, after knowing that, you know, it's funny because I enjoyed his music, and then when, I'll never forget finding out that he was a diehard South Carolina Gamecock fan. And when I did, it was so funny, man. I was just like, you know, I never really liked his music now that I think about it. <laughs> because it's true. I, I, It's funny because co- that's how deep college football is for us fans. It's like, we'll, we'll be your best friend, but then sometimes we'll find out you support a, a certain coach or a certain team, and you're just like, well, you know, maybe we're not friends. <laughs> maybe we're just coworkers after all. So, uh, no, I, I – I, I, obviously, that came out. He's got to he's got to play to the fans. But one thing about Rucker I do like is uh, he's not like a like a Kenny Chesney, you know. Right. He's not running around and 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 talking about. I don't know. Maybe I've never been to other states and other concerts, but I will say it seems like he's pretty diehard South Carolina, and I I admire that in uh, country music. Yeah, without a doubt, Shane. Well, like I said, we got a question here, fan question, and hey, we're gonna rely on you guys more and more <laughs> the next couple of weeks. Before we get, uh, you know, into media days and everything like that. So if you got a question for us, 
just shoot it to us. You can, you can hit us up on Gmail, that SEC podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter like Mr. Justin Rodriguez did, Shane. He's got, he's got a question for us. With Arkansas playing a minimum of six ranked teams this season, if the Razorbacks were to lose to only Alabama, does that resume make them a playoff contender? Hashtag bold mm-hmm. predictions there <laughs> from old Justin. But, uh, yeah, let's go down the schedule real quick here, Shane, maybe to give, um, you know, in case you don't got it in front of you and everything. But Arkansas. We're, we're in full off-season form here, you know, because <laughs> I'm curious about that with Georgia. You know, like if we beat Alabama but lose to Georgia, do we make the playoffs? So, <laughs> I, <laughs> All right. No, I'm just kidding. Let's see what you got here, Mike. Let's get that schedule pulled up. Yeah, so the home opener, of course, Cincinnati. It's a game we've talked all about. Cincinnati just went to the college football playoff. That's going to be a, a tough opener there for the Razorbacks. Week two. But winnable. Very winnable. Week two, hosting a South Carolina Gamecock team coming off a seven-win season, a bowl-win season that's added Wait, once, via the transfer let's, portal. I would like to do something here, Mike, before you get too far into this thing. Let's just put our optimistic at them because – Obviously, when I saw this, mm-hmm. I immediately chuckled a little bit inside. But again, as a true fan, you can kind of create some of these. I mean, it could happen. It really could happen. So, so as we're going down the schedule, let's put our optimistic hat on and let's get Arkansas to a college football playoff. Okay. So Cincinnati, they come out, they beat them because obviously their best player left last year in the in the draft, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. South Carolina. Finding their sales, I'll let you continue from there. And then Missouri State, coached by Bobby Petrino. Uh-oh. Yeah, easy, Vic. Should yep. beat them by about 50. <laughs> Texas <laughs> right, A&M. It's interesting. Texas A&M, of course, a neutral field there in Arlington. You beat mm-hmm. Snap at Streak last year, beat the Aggies. Going to have to do it two years in a row, I, I would think, which I think could be in the cards. Certainly mm-hmm. not a lock, but – you know, that's that's a coin flip type game. Now, here's the game he was referencing here. Alabama, they do come to Razorback Stadium. They went toe-to-toe with the Crimson Tide last season in Tuscaloosa. So, he's saying they'll dro- he's conceding that they'll drop that one. But yeah. now, again, here, it doesn't get much easier, Shane. At Mississippi State, them mm-hmm. cowbells clanging. This has been a tough game. Of course, Arkansas's won it the last two years, but it, it's been tight both seasons there under Sam Pittman and Mike Leach. That's not going to be a gimme. And then at BYU, which uh, mm-hmm. who in the hell knows what you're getting with BYU. One year they're undefeated. The next year they're winning six mm-hmm. ball games. But they're, you know, they're full of 27-year-old men out there because of their missions and all that. So <laughs> yeah. who, I guess it all just depends on who's on the mission, who's back from the mission, you mm-hmm. know. Was there a quarterback involved in that deal? I don't know. but It's probably an early game, get them old guys out there, you know. They don't like them night games. <laughs> they probably don't even have lots in BYU just for that reason. <laughs> then you got two weeks to prepare for a road trip at Auburn. Of course, Auburn mm-hmm. beat you last year yeah. and, and beat you at home. So that – that's not one you can overlook if you're a Razorback fan. Liberty, Hugh Freeze's Liberty comes to town. Of course, they're losing their quarterback, so who knows how good Liberty's going to be. LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, and you finish up mm-hmm. at Missouri. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing any games there 
that you say Arkansas's got no shot to win. And hell, I'm even including the Alabama game. Right. So, boy, that's that is interesting. I, you know, I, I was we were tagged in something earlier this week talking about the toughest three game stretch, mm-hmm. and and I'm looking at Arkansas schedule, and yes, they've got that juggernaut right there at Texas A&M, Alabama, then Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I think that's the toughest three game stretch uh, that that any team's going to face right now, but. The fact you got Alabama at home, the fact you got A&M technically at a neutral field, a little bit more of a away game, but, you know, who knows? Jimmy likes them Razorbacks. Maybe he'll do something down there for him, you know? <laughs> so, but I, I just – did I say Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, man. It's getting late. <laughs> Jerry, I mean, but but what I'm getting at here, Mike, if you win one of those games, I, I know he talked about Alabama, but you know I'm a firm believer Texas A&M's got a real shot to win the SEC championship here. Mm-hmm. If you come out and you lose to one of those teams, just one, which is ha- last year, you think about it, they played Alabama tough, Texas A&M they beat. It's very feasible that this happens again. And if it does, they lose to one of those teams. I like the back half of that schedule, brother. I, I mean, I don't think I've really sat down and looked at what our or what Arkansas's got, man. I mean, you get past them, those juggernauts, October eighth, man. You're in cruise control, and you control your own destiny. So, man, am I sleeping on them Razorbacks? <laughs> well, t- but going back to Justin's question, though, what he's really asking. Can the Razorbacks punch their ticket to a college football playoff if they go 11-1? and one? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you can. I think can, it's happening. Here's the path to it, Shane. Alabama has got to probably go undefeated. Yeah. And they've got to win the SEC. They've got to look pretty good like Georgia was last year. Hell, mm-hmm. like Alabama was the year before, like LSU the year prior. So – if you're going to drop a, a game, it's got to be to a playoff team, no doubt. I think you're going to need South Carolina to be very good this year because you want that on your resume. You're going to yeah. need Texas A&M, which is not a leap to say. You know, maybe a, a 10-2 and two Texas A&M because you need some marquee wins on here. And, hell, you mm-hmm. probably need BYU and Liberty to be solid too because y- you talk about this back half of the schedule. It, is, it suits up well for them, but Auburn – expectations not that high LSU year one under Brian Kelly some of those fans think the Tigers are going to be great you know we'll see Ole Miss what are they going to look like when they're rebuilding Missouri I mean that that would be the point on your calendar in November when you have got to have impressive resume wins and I I don't know if I'm seeing it here so well so so that's why I think you need South Carolina and A&M and Alabama you know, you need them to have outstanding seasons. Mm, so much for optimism, Mike. Here I'm looking at the Razorbacks, and I'm saying, <laughs> okay, yeah, they're catching Mississippi State at the right time. I think Mississippi State's going to be a top 25 team when they meet uh, because that's right before Kentucky and Alabama. So, I tell in, I mean, they they may have their first loss with Texas A&M, but they're going to be sitting pretty. I would say they'd be a top 20 team. They're maybe even top 15 by that point. Who knows? Uh, I just I, I'm I'm high on Mississippi State Bulldogs, and if Arkansas can put together a couple of wins after A and M, or I mean they ha- you got to remember they have to beat A and M or they have to beat Alabama. So 
we're going to make the same argument with a one loss A and M or a one loss Alabama to make it to college football playoffs. Why wouldn't you make the same argument argument with uh, an Arkansas Razorback that that went through the West with only one loss, and that was to an SEC West champion? So I don't know, man. I, I'm looking at this schedule. I think what you really need you need LSU and Ole Miss to kind of get sexy by the end mm-hmm. of the year, you know, so you can make one of those marquee games. Uh, but the fact is, you, you've got them both at home. So, I don't know, man. I, I, now, let me tell you, though, Shane, why I don't – I'm not a big fan of this question. I Hell, I love it. We probably shouldn't yeah. bash him because he, he's helping the show out here, Justin. He says he's a fan of, big fan of the show. Yeah, you, you're getting him to unsubscribe right now. <laughs> keep it up, Mike. Just keep going. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you cannot look at the schedule and say, all right, we'll automatically lose to Bama but are we a playoff team? That's yeah. not the way they're thinking in College Station. You know what they thought going in? You know, I know last year did not go as they wanted, but they they circled that game and said, we're going to be nationally televised CBS. Alabama's yeah. coming to town. Let's whoop their ass. And guess what? Right. They did it. You know, now, mm-hmm. again, they, they fell short in many other games that they shouldn't have. But if you're Arkansas, hell, I just put you number three in my power rankings. You yeah. got mighty Alabama. I know that they've beaten them like 14 years in a row. I get that. But you just got to snap these streaks, brother. And, and you can't be looking right. at Alabama like they're some invincible juggernaut because they can get beat. Hell, they got they got beat twice last year. So right. if I'm Justin, I'm sitting here saying, why do, why can't we snap this streak? Let's, let's mm-hmm. dethrone Alabama. Let's beat their ass in Razorback Stadium. That's a tough place to play. Let's hope it's a night game when Alabama comes to town, give you – all day long to to <laughs> liquor up and get ready for this ball game and, and dethrone the Crimson Tide. That's the way mm-hmm. I'd be looking at it. And if you beat Alabama, there's an outstanding chance you're punching your ticket if you take care of business the rest of the season to the college football playoff. What's their odds right now? Is there any odds out on Arkansas? No, I've not seen any odds for any teams really other than, uh, you know, there's odds to win the national championship for a handful of teams. But – uh, I, I don't have those in front of me. Let me ask you, since we're just – I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mike, got $100. You're in Vegas. They're giving you some odds that the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to not win an Addy, not win an SEC, just make it to the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. Out of that $100, how committed are you that they're going to be there? Mm, probably 20. 20. 20. Right. I mean, you'll take it, right? I mean, I'd take that. If you told me Tennessee Volunteers got a 20% shot to make the college football playoffs, I'm in. Mm-hmm. But looking at the schedule, I, I got two teams ske- I got two teams circled, Texas A&M, Alabama. That's what it comes down to. We got to win one of them, and we got a shot to get to those college football playoffs. So, <sighs> that's just me, man. I'm drinking that orange. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, boys. <laughs> hey, now, last thing, Shay, before we get to our interview real quick. Again, I really appreciate the question, Justin. Anybody else got questions? Fire them our way. Give us something to talk about here. But uh, Brayton Gall, friend of the show, owner of uh, 440 Sports, and he's host of the uh, Athlon Cover 2 podcast. He put out these stats, Shay. Just want to run them by you real quick with the Mm -hmm. NFL draft coming, uh, obviously on Thursday. Total draft picks in the SEC since 2010. So that's a nice round number here. The Mm -hmm. last, what would it be, 12? 12. Drafts yeah. here. Alabama, no surprise, 
leads the way with 101 draft picks. You probably, I think you've already seen this, but you know who number two is? I'm looking at it. So okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess LSU. <laughs> exactly. LSU 81, not too far off the pace here. But mm-hmm. I thought this was the biggest surprise to me, Shane. No disrespect. We know this is a great program. They've won several national championships. Florida Gators, 75. Yeah. And that gives you an indication, Shane, even when things are not going. You know, I know, I know we had some good years under Dan Mullen. We're ready for the Billy Napier era. But even when you're not producing at a championship level like you like you want to, like you want to the vast majority of the of the years, you're still number three in the SEC in producing NFL talent. You better get that dog under control. Throw him some Zaxby's. <laughs> number four on the list. Again, this is a little surprising, Shane. You think it'd be a little bit higher, but Georgia Bulldogs, sixty-eight total picks. Now that's gonna skyrocket here on Thursday, Friday, <laughs> yeah. Saturday. I mean they'll They'll probably be passing up Florida. Hell, they they may even pass – well, they're not going to pass LSU with – but they'll become a lot closer to uh, LSU. And then how about mm-hmm. this one, Shane? Auburn Tigers, 44. Mm. NFL factory there on the plane. Shouldn't be too surprised. Auburn's always competitive. Texas A&M, 40. Yeah. South Carolina, 38, as well as Mississippi State, 38. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, 37. And then we got three teams tied at 29, Shane. Missouri, Tennessee, Ole Miss. That's pretty surprising that Tennessee's mm. that low, I bet, wouldn't you say? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, because if you grew up in the 90s and 80s, you're used to Tennessee putting a lot of talent in the NFL. And you look at, you know, in years – I mean, there, you can Google how many players and universities have put people into the uh, NFL, and Tennessee's one of the top. 10 you know but mm-hmm. here i mean there's they're quickly coming down the list <laughs> and credit south carolina mississippi state each at 38 i mean those yeah. those are great numbers for those two schools absolutely and then last but not least this has got to change you know kentucky of course you know i'm yeah. not putting this all on mark stoops or anything but 24 draft picks 13th and then vanderbilt 16th so uh again kentucky those numbers will be going up in this draft but just figured mm-hmm. the fans would appreciate to see the, kind of where those standings are now. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll recap this on Friday, Shane. I, well, it, on Monday would be a better way to do it. And uh, I bet these numbers change a little bit, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and looking at this list, because I just didn't know, looking at it, I mean, you can get onto our uh, on, on our Twitter account and you can see these numbers that, that Mike's talking about. Uh, I, I guess the biggest, I don't know, the biggest takeaways for me, was the LSU Florida? Why don't we have more championships? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know LSU put 14 in the league a few years back and broke the record, got a natty. That was great, but they're still 20 away from Alabama. And mm-hmm. you would figure that they would have made some more noise by now. Same thing with the Florida Gators. They shouldn't be going through all these coaches, but putting all this talent in the league. So um, I, I think these fans are very hungry that they finally found a coach, hopefully, and that they can lead them to the promised land. Because if they can keep this kind of talent coming in to Gainesville, brother, they're going to be hanging banners. So that's that's a couple takeaways I'm having. Another one is uh, Kentucky down there at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, just what they've put together here the last four or five seasons has been impressive. You look over there beside it, they've got three in the first round, and that's recent. You know what I'm saying? So you talk right. about a trajectory that's that's immediately going up. 
But it, it, you think of the success that they've had up there in Lexington and only putting 24 in in 12 years, that's an average of two a year. They're still able to to be competitive. You know, they've not been able to win the East, but they've been, you know, many times the second best team in the East. So, um, I don't know. Those are just a couple of takeaways I've got from these numbers. And uh, like you said, come – Come Thursday and Friday, these numbers are going to change probably pretty drastically because there's going to be a lot coming out of the SEC. I expect another record broken. All right, Shane, so let's kick it over now to our interview with Stefan Krasiznik from the Clarion Leisure. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> no, he told me how to say it. I still butchered it. I'm probably going to have to fix this in, in editing. You know what? <laughs> Thank God Bob Kessling ain't here. <laughs> I, hey, we're pleased for the first time to be joined by Stefan Krosnick, who covers Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledgers. And uh, you know that name well if you're in that state. Stefan just started up with the Clarion Ledger, but he's been covering Mississippi State athletics for a while now. Stefan, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to, to talking some football. It feels like uh, it's so far away, but it, it's creeping up on us. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I wanted to ask you because I'm sure you're well aware of this. You're a, from what from what I read up on you, you're an Indiana grad. And for whatever reason, Indiana is like the pipeline to SEC <laughs> reporters here. So you probably knew what you were getting in, yourself into when you came down to uh, Starkville to cover the Bulldogs. But did you realize uh, how big this Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry was going to be till you got down here. Yeah, it, it's funny because I'm sure you, you've spoken to Ben Portnoy before and he covers South Carolina now and he kind of had um, a job here with the commercial dispatch covering Mississippi State. So he was kind of the point man on, on making sure I knew all things coming in. And, um, and you know, you can imagine I've, I've experienced rivalries and stuff. The Indiana-Purdue basketball rivalry is, is huge every year. Um, and I, and I, and I figured the Ole Miss Mississippi state football rivalry was huge just because, you know, the egg bowl being usually on Thanksgiving, uh, has given a, a great platform for that rivalry to kind of shine like all over the country because it's, it's the only college football game on. So like, you know, growing up, even in Indiana, you know, I was tuned into the egg bowl because what, I mean, what else would you watch unless you were, you know, super avid, uh, NFL fan, you know, watching that night and, and with at least for my lifetime, the Cowboys are usually in that in that late spot, and nobody really wants to watch that anyway. So, um, but but it's it it was really awesome this past weekend um, to to watch the baseball rivalry. You know, you figure rivals, you know, it can be any sport, and Mississippi State fans want to beat Ole Miss, but I really never understood the magnitude of how big uh, college baseball was in the SEC until I got here, and then obviously, um, you know, this particular rivalry it's huge. Like people care a lot and. And I've never seen college baseball to, to that, you know, on that platform before. So that was really cool to see. And, um, you know, I know people uh, bicker back and forth in the rivalry, but I think at the end of the day, I think there's a great deal of respect, um, you know, between the two schools when it comes to the competitive nature and, and what, you know, they've, you know, both sides have kind of been uh, capable of making, you know, these rivalries become. Yeah. And not only are you, you know, thrown right into the middle of this rivalry, you're thrown into covering one of the most unique characters, not only in college football, but really in all sports. What's it like covering Mike Leach on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it's kind of fun. I always tell people that the day-to-day -day stuff is not, you know, a lot like what you see on, on the viral clips. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, he, he does, probably doesn't feel like doing a media availability or doesn't feel like answering a question or, or things of that nature. But, um, but, but he's a good time to work with. And, and you know, at the end of the day, when, 
when he steps off the podium or whatnot, you're going to get, you know, a decent amount of time to just talk to him on the side about literally anything you want to talk about. I mean, he's, he's a funny guy and, um, you know, that like, like any coach, you know, the, the relationship with reporters is what it is. There's days where, you know, coaches don't feel like doing press conferences and days they do, but, but overall it's been a fun experience. Um, I've enjoyed covering him. I've gotten a chance to, you know, talk to him about non-football related stuff um, that it's really interesting. And, and, and I've always told everyone, you know, his viral clips about candy corn and his thoughts on weddings and things like that. Like those are the clips that, that get millions of views and, and people laugh at that and think he's, you know, just some, some funny guy, but he, he's a really smart guy. And he's really fun to talk about. Um, you know, he's traveled everywhere and it's really cool to talk about that. And, and um, you know, he graduated from law school. Like he's a really smart guy who knows a lot of things. Um, and, and that's, you know, what I've always found more interesting and more entertaining than, than those, you know, viral moments and funny things that he says, though, you know, those rants are pretty iconic in their own way. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, circling to the to his football team, Mississippi State, you think they're being a little bit slept on because, uh, uh, you, you know, obviously had they had a better kicker, I mean, they may have been a 10 win team last season coming into this year, they're going to host Texas A&M, which they beat Arkansas, which questionable call could have beat them. And you're also hosting Auburn. So uh, just looking at the schedule, looking at the team they're bringing back, you know, I have a high opinion on Mississippi State, but do you think nationally the Bulldogs are being slept on a little bit? You know, I, I think so. And I think it, it really did surprise me seeing a lot of the, the you know, I mean, first you have the way too soon rankings that come out the day after the championship game, which is, to me, is kind of relevant at this point with how the transfer portal is, right? Like how, like there's just no way to predict anything. Um, but on top of that, even as even as the rankings have kind of you know progressed, um, it is surprising to not see Mississippi State in a lot of those top 25s. And I'm not saying that you know they're necessarily a top 10 team going into the season, but I definitely thought they were going to be a top 25 team in, in most accounts because of what they return. And obviously losing Makai Polk uh, and Charles Cross and Martin Emerson, those are big losses. But I feel like um, aside from left tackle will be a little bit, you know, iffy, um, especially when you're trying to replace a guy who's probably going to go in the in the top 10 on Thursday, right? Um, but but Makai Polk, I think they're not going to have too much trouble replacing just because of the depth that they have at wide receiver, um, as any Mike Leach air offense tends to do. And um, and with Emmanuel Forbes there, you kind of have him to just step into that number one corner role. And, and they've got a few guys who are capable of being that number two guy. So their biggest losses, I feel like they have replacements for. So, so you look at what they return and, and what they're capable of replacing. I think it's a pretty good team. What's tough for them is is the schedule that they get handed you you mentioned those three games that they have at home which are very winnable um but at the same time you get uh you get to play georgia this year in that cross divisional game right like that's you went from playing vanderbilt last year you're playing georgia this year so that's kind of unfavorable and and are playing at kentucky and um and i've seen various reports andy who andy costa who was at the clear and ledger before um you know i took the job recently uh reported that by some accounts they have the toughest schedule um, in the nation coming into next season. Now, obviously that changes, you know, with the portal and, and things like that. Um, but overall, you, you can see how hard it is. It's not too much of a surprise that someone in the SEC West has that. But when you take the SEC West and you add Georgia, you're going to have the hardest schedule. That's just how it's going to work out. And they, they got to take advantage of the non-conference games. They got to put themselves in a good position. They didn't do that last year, uh, particularly with that loss at Memphis. And everyone remembers that, that controversial punt return and all that. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's probably a game they should have ran away with. Um, you, you can't really mess around in the non-conference. You got to get your feet wet right away, solidify that offensive line. Uh, so, so like any team, they've got holes. Um, but, but, but to go back to your question, I do think they're being slept on a little bit because I think they 
they can be one of the better teams uh, in the SEC West. Now, is there a, a question mark, maybe the biggest question mark that you had for this football team going into spring camp that you think they got answered? Is it that left tackle position? Is it another one? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the, the one that did a, the best job of addressing and I guess, you know, clearing any doubt of is replacing Mekhi Polk. They've had uh, Caleb Dubkin, who's, who's going to be a redshirt senior and really, you know, hasn't shown that production, but he's got the size. And if he can just be consistent, he can be really good and kind of step into that role. But alongside, you know, what we've seen in, in history with, with Mike Leach offenses is there's rarely that Mekhi Polk. There's usually a plethora of guys who come in. Uh, and, and add up to those 105 receptions. You don't have one guy who's just going to go get those receptions. And I think they're in a better position for that this year. I think their wide receiver group is just, um, you know, less top heavy. I think it's a pretty spread out group where you can have a few guys. And, and if you're demanding, you know, Caleb Duckett to go out there and get 250 and six or 60 catches, that's reasonable. I've got to ask him to get 105 might not be reasonable. I think when you spread that out, and they did a good job of, of addressing, you know, that question of Kai Poklevin. Um, the left tackle spot, you know, they, they've tried um, Katrivius Johnson. People call him Dollar Bill around here, a left tackle. Uh, he, he was mostly a right guard most of the last season. So moving him at left tackle is interesting. They bring in Percy Lewis, a Juco guy who I believe was the number two Juco player available at, in this year's signing class. Or He's a really highly rated guy, huge guy. Like you look at him, you're like, well, yeah, that's who you want at left tackle. Um, but he's obviously still making that transition in spring of, of becoming an SEC ready guy coming in from Juco. So um, you know, left tackle will be interesting, but I think this spring they've, they've done a great job of addressing um, at least that outside wide receiver room. Now, Mississippi State's also had a, a couple of spring scrimmages that they've opened to the public. I know the, you know, the quote unquote spring game was supposed to be that way, but uh, wet, the weather didn't cooperate. Any, uh, you know, intel or observations that you've gathered from the, the, the open scrimmages that Mississippi State's had this spring? Yeah. Um, so the way they've structured it is they've had three open scrimmages, um, you know, and, and they, they weren't having a traditional spring game this year. They tried not to even call it that. They were just kind of calling it a spring scrimmage. Um, so the one that got rained out, they had the first, the, the week before the original scheduled one, they just had a, a typical Saturday scrimmage that was open to the public. The following week it gets rained out. So they just moved that to Tuesday. So they had a Tuesday scrimmage and they're going to have uh, one on, on tonight, Tuesday night. Um, for kind of their last practice slash last scrimmage. Um, so that's the way they've structured it with, with practices kind of coming in between those. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I've really taken away from it is um, they, they have a really deep uh, front six uh, defensively. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of that in the spring just because guys like, like Jordan Davis is still coming back, um, you know, from a, from a torn ACL. We didn't see him at all last season. And that's, you know, a guy that people thought would be Mississippi State's top defensive end. Um, you know, guys like like Jaden Crumity have, have been kind of limited in the spring. Uh, Jed Johnson uh, fractured his hand and has been out most of the spring. That, that's going to be a starting linebacker. But with all those injuries, they had a few, you know, young guys like Deshaun Page, a linebacker, who have really stepped up and looked good um, in those scrimmages. So suddenly you, you think, well, you know, when they, when they get, get those big guys back, um, you know, in the fall, they've got a pretty deep front six. And, and that was their strength last season because – um, and, and I think it still will be because safety is still a, an iffy position that uh, Mississippi State was among the best defenses when it come, came to stopping the run. And that that helped their secondary out a lot. And, and maybe some of those holes in the, in the safety position uh, didn't show because of how good they were up front. So if, if they have a deep room there and they can just rotate guys in and, and get fresh guys in, um, you know, there, there's no no reason to believe that that that, you know, at least top 
rush defense can't return and help that, that help to help the uh, pass defense out a little bit, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so much star power at the quarterback position in the SEC returning. Well, of course, we got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. We got other guys that are listed all over the preseason Heisman Trophy odds. So it may be a stretch to say Will Rogers is the best quarterback just because of how loaded they are at, at that position in the conference. But, you know, what are the odds that he's the most productive? I don't think that's a stretch at all, considering what we've seen from him and what we know, we all know the prolific offenses Mike Leach puts together. What are the odds that, that Will Rogers is uh, the most productive? And you can define that however you want. Uh, most productive quarterback in the SEC this year. You know, I, I think the odds on that are, are pretty good. And, um, you know, you mentioned there the, the Heisman odds. When I checked, and this, this was like January, like right after the season had ended, they had had like the, the you know, way too early, you know, Heisman odds or the immediate Heisman odds. I think it was FanDuel that had him. And Will Rogers was ninth. Um, so I, I think there's definitely some national hype around him. And I think what we've seen, or at least what we saw last season was he went from a guy in the first half of the year who was putting up ridiculous numbers because of the Mike Leach offense. He was throwing it a ton. He was completing a ton of passes. Um, you know, a lot of them were just, you know, kind of dump offs and, um, you know, that, that, you know, chunk yardage that, that they get um, in the air raid offense. It wasn't necessarily big plays downfield, but he was getting a ton of yards, completing passes, getting touchdowns. His numbers look, looked really good but you still felt like there was a next step to his game. And I think we really saw that um, as the season progressed, like he, he struggled in the egg bowl and he struggled a lot in, in the Liberty bowl, but in those games leading up to that, like the, the people that watched that Auburn game and saw the, the flip that Mississippi state made from being down 23 to, you know, like, like people are surprised that, you know, they came back and they won that game and it was this huge comeback, but I don't know the last time I, I've at least in person seen a quarterback take over the game, um, you know, like that, like we've seen uh, great performances. Like, I mean, Bryce Young has taken over games, right? Like we've seen that, but, but for me to watch it live and to just like, it wasn't miss, like you get teams that come back and then you get that like final drive. It's huge. Like Mississippi state was down like 28, 17. You're like, they're going to win this game just because of how dominant like Will Rogers looked like he was just slicing up that defense. He was finding every hole in that defense, finding the space, finding the grass that, that you need in the air raid. And you saw, you know, that was just a perfect game of seeing how he's learned um, this offense and his time and his time working with Mike Leach. And you really saw him going from a system quarterback to a guy who knows how to run that system. Like it, it wasn't the system suiting him. It was him, um, you know, kind of knowing uh, what to do and being, and Mike Leach talked about it. Like Will Rogers got to a point last season where he was at the line, you know, calling plays, calling audibles, things of that nature. And, and for Mike Leach to, you know, give someone the reins to do that, that means he has a lot of trust in that quarterback. And he usually doesn't have guys as young as Will Rogers. And he kept saying last season, like, listen, like, I know he started a lot of games as a true freshman. So people are just used to seeing him out there. But like, at the end of the day, he's only had about a season and a half's worth of starts. And I know people will be like, well, you know, look at Bryce Young, like all this and that. He doesn't have the talent and the athleticism that a Bryce Young has. Like that, like most quarterbacks take some time to develop. They're not all Bryce Young and Trevor Lawrence's and Deshaun Watson's, right? Like they take some time to develop. And you're seeing that with Will Rogers and, and he's been spoken highly of this spring. Um, you know, Leach has spoken highly of him. And, and I think um, it's very reasonable to put high expectations on him this season. And I think he knows that. And he puts that pressure on himself and he talks about, you know, kind of being a veteran now and feeling like he's been at Mississippi state for six or seven years, as opposed to like three. Um, but, but the expectations are there for himself. And, and, and I think it's kind of starting to build uh, on the national stage, especially if Mississippi state can win some games early next season. 
What's the biggest question mark you have exiting the spring for the defense? Because I think Zach Arnett, I didn't know hardly anything about him when, you know, when Mississippi State hired him, but I think he's been tremendous. Uh, you reference it; they've they've really attacked uh, the run defense. They've they've been that way since Zach Arnett's been there. They've had star power in the secondary, and they they got that once again in Emmanuel Forbes. So, what's the biggest question mark you have for uh, this Zach Arnett defense? That, uh, that they'll have to take that next step if Mississippi State's going to truly contend in the West? Yeah, I think the, the safety position is, is the biggest thing. And, and what's interesting there is that um, in the offseason, Mississippi State did a lot of uh, reshuffling with the coaching staff. And um, it, it put Zach Arnett um, in, in charge of coaching the safety specifically. And um, that, that's a position that, that he's going to have to harp on and, and get fixed because, um, you know, at corner – they got to develop a number two corner, right? Like someone's got to step up and, and, you know, take the place of Forbes while Forbes takes the place of Emerson, which I think they could do. Uh, and now then, then it just leads it to the safety position. And, you know, Jalen green came over from Texas last season. Um, he was a corner at Texas moved to safety and he did a pretty good job. Um, so now, now you got to look at who's going to step up behind him. Obviously they have, um, you know, Colin Duncan, who's, who's a super experienced guy. Um, but you never have really seen that kind of next step in his game. He really kind of needs to take that next step and be a leader and kind of put his foot down at the safety position and be like, Hey, I, I can be a guy who can be trusted back here. And, um, and I'm not sure if we saw that yet this spring from him and that's kind of hard to gauge, you know, in practices. Um, but, but even in those scrimmages, you're still kind of waiting for him to like, you know, make that big play. Um, and what's interesting there is that they bring in Jackie Matthews, a transfer from uh, West Virginia, I believe it was. Um, who, who had, you know, pick six at one of the scrimmages and, and has looked pretty flashy in some of those spots. So it'll be interesting to see if he uh, develops in a guy and maybe steals some snaps from Colin Duncan. Um, and then kind of in, in that, I, I put it in, in the safety category, that bulldog, that position that they have. I think some cool schools call it like a Husky. Like there's, there's various names that I've heard for it, but they're losing Fred Peters at that position. Um, it looks like Sean Preston Jr. is going to be the guy, at least for right now, who they want to step in there. That's another guy, kind of like Colin Duncan, where He's got experience, but like you're, you're waiting, you're waiting, like you, you want that next step to come and it just kind of seems like it hasn't yet. So that those two guys, Colin Duncan, Sean Preston and their position positions, um, I, I think are still biggest question marks, at least defensively coming out of the spring. Now, unfortunately, I mean, this is just the state of college football. We always got to talk transfer portal and, and who's coming and who's going. So I know Mississippi state's added a couple guys, but if they were to add, you know, one or two more, what position groups do you think they will target to bring someone in to, to shore up uh, any deficiencies they have? Yeah, I think, and Mike Lee just talked about it, at least he did um, during uh, one of the signing days. It's so confusing now with all the signing days, to <laughs> which one's which. But he, he talked a lot about how, you know, the, the thing with the portal is, is you don't really stop once once spring starts, right? Like like the portal is about to take like another push right now that spring ball is finishing and teams know kind of what they what they need or have at least a little bit of a better picture. But I think um, offensive line is still going to be a spot where Mississippi State is going to look to add depth and, and who knows, maybe even go, you know, get someone who's, who's solidified a left tackle. If there's a big name out there, you know, you, you can look at, you know, Percy Lewis, the, the Juco guy coming in and you can look at Katrivis Johnson and, and, you know, the work he's putting over there and say, listen, you guys are great and we'll develop you, but you know, this guy's immediate and we got a chance at him. We're going to bring him in and put him there. So I think that that's one thing to watch out. It could be really at either of the tackle positions because right tackle is not really solidified um, either with, with Scott Lashley um, out of eligibility there. Um, and then uh, defensively, I think uh, we're going to see uh, some more additions in, in, um, in the secondary. 
and, and I'm totally slipping on, on his name right now, but they just got a, a, a former four-star defensive back uh, coming in from Florida State um, the other day who committed. and um, Marcus Washington? Right, right. So they're bringing in Washington, and, and so they got, they've got good pieces there right now, but I think what they need, um, you know, as I mentioned, with Colin Duncan and Sean Preston and Emmanuel Forbes probably leaving for the NFL next year, like they've got really good pieces right now, but you look at that group and you're like, that's kind of an old group with not a lot of young guys who are ready to step in. So they needed a guy like that um, to come in from Florida state and, and give them three or four years of eligibility to maybe not make an immediate impact, but give them some kind of foundation in the secondary for, for the years moving forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got a couple more guys like that, who, you know, were highly rated players out of high school, maybe just didn't fit, you know, at their current schools, things like that. Bring them in, tell them, hey, you're not, you're probably not going to play this year or not play much this year. Let us develop you. And then when Forbes and Duncan and Preston are gone and um, and, and even Jalen Green, you'll be ready to step in next season. So looking at that would be the 2023 season. All right, last question for you. I really appreciate all your time. Mike Leach, unfortunately, hey, the guy he replaced was undefeated in the Egg Bowl. Mike Leach is, is still searching for his first Egg Bowl. I'm not trying to push Leach out the door because I, I love him. I hope he's in the SEC forever. But how much pressure is going to be on Mike Leach to win that Egg Bowl, even though it is in Oxford this year? Yeah, no, there's a lot of pressure. And I think there's a lot of pressure because people don't know what Ole Miss is going to look like, right? Like, how do they look replacing a ton of key players who are leaving for the NFL? Like, I, I don't think the expectations are that high, at least nationally, on Ole Miss. And that's going to push for people believing, hey, this is the year that you got to go in there. Um, and you got to steal a win on the road and, and bring the egg bowl back to Starkville. And, and there's pressure. And, and I've, and I've had this discussion a million times um, with, with various people of like, how do you balance what was a really good season last year for Mississippi state and a huge step forward in year two under Mike Leach. How do you balance that with losing the egg bowl again? And there's a lot of people who are like, listen, if he loses it, loses it this year, he's on the hot seat. Like, and I was like, even if he wins like 11, like if he goes 11 and one and loses the Ole Miss, they're like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you can't go 0-3 in the Egg Bowl and be safe around here. So that's, I mean, it's whether you think it's right or wrong, it's how a lot of people think, right? Like, there's a lot of Thanksgivings that people get together and part of the family's an Ole Miss fan, a part of the family's a state fan, and, and it determines how that Thanksgiving Thanksgiving night goes. Uh, so th there's pressure, and, and, you know, Leach probably knows it, and he probably, you know, he won't talk about it, and he'll say he's worried about consistency and taking it one game at a time, and when Ole Miss comes around, it'll be about, you know, winning a football game and not about winning – you know, some huge egg bowl, but he knows and, and people around Mississippi state know that um, if you start off 0-3 in the egg bowl, um, you better be winning 11 games because, because <laughs> otherwise uh, people get mad and, and, you know, you know, what comes with that. All right. So he's Stefan Krajisnik. I hope I nailed that. Krajisnik, close enough. You had it the first time, so that's all we asked for. <laughs> I really, really appreciate all this Mississippi state knowledge and, and for you taking this time, you did outstanding job. I think, uh, the the uh my listeners are really really going to appreciate this one yeah no i, I appreciate you having me on and, and anytime you want me on you know in the summer and the season let me know man i, I got time for you <laughs> all right so just want to say thanks to stefan for joining the show some outstanding coverage here on the mississippi state bulldogs i hope mm -hmm. you bulldog fans i'll be I mean, keep hearing it hell i hear it from every fan base shame but mississippi state fans are are definitely there Give us more coverage of mississippi state so i hope you mm -hmm. appreciated that we i have two other guests lined up for the next episode so hey we got plenty of coverage coming your way before the nfl draft and of course you know we'll have something special planned for that but uh you got anything before we get out of here brother man how did we not mention the florida hat toss 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, come on, Mike. We, for how many years has a Tennessee hat or Tennessee shirt been ripped and all this? Usually we are the butt of the joke when it comes to recruiting. And I know we haven't talked that much about recruiting, but, man, it was nice not seeing a Tennessee hat flung in the audience, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, if anybody doesn't know what Shade's talking about, four-star safety, Sylvester Smith, number 11 safety prospect in the country, committed to Tennessee on Tuesday. The ball Shane, number seven recruiting class mm-hmm. in the country right now. It's tremendous job by Josh Heupel and company. But he picked up that Florida hat, probably gave Heupel a little mm-hmm. bit of a heart attack before he <laughs> threw it, like you said. And the, the he and the family revealed all their Tennessee gear. So, yeah, it's it's got to feel nice to be on the other end of that one, huh? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Yeah, I just had to bring that up. Yeah, because, like I said, I've seen – everything else i've seen jerseys ripped and parents mad at the kids you know it's just it's nice to see something go our way for once but no brother that's all i've got well hey Shane, let me say this though yeah you want to there's that and then if you've seen it the uh the baseball team apparently you know broke into the florida locker room was wearing all these the florida helmets i mean my goodness tennessee's they're asking for trouble with the with the damn the jinx of the Gators coming to town this year, aren't they? No, 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 they're not. And I'm going to tell you why, Mike, because this is a rivalry that kind of went away for a little bit, and I feel like it's heating back up. So yeah. I love it. Florida wants us. We want Florida. So uh, it's 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 shaping up. It's going to be a hell of a matchup, and uh, this is what it's all about, brother. I mean, all season already taken. I mean, we got the baseball team sneaking in the locker room wearing those helmets. Now I did see a lot of people saying. <laughs> A lot of Gator fans saying they were just living their dream, you know, since they didn't get a scholarship <laughs> offer. <laughs> so they, they, they trust me, they, they threw it back at us. But no, I, I, I love it, man. This is what it's all about, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for college football. We were just talking just a few few hours ago about we're right around the corner from the hundred day countdown, and it feels like when we start that hundred day countdown, college football is cranking up sooner than later. So. About a month away, brother. Yeah, I can't wait for it, Shane. So I appreciate you as always. I cannot wait to get down to this countdown. Like you mm-hmm. said, we're about, a, as of this podcast, 129 days college football kicking off. But man, we could sit here and talk about it for hours, I feel like. But uh, I got to let you go, get, get, get you in some quality yeah. time with the family. But I do appreciate it as always, Shane. And I appreciate each and every one of you that keeps tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go ball. Uh, you need any help pronouncing my name or anything like that? Yeah, that'd be what I was gonna do is what I do is I just go fast. That way you can't correct me. But yeah, go go for it. <laughs> it's uh, it's Stefan Kreischnick. Kreischnick. Yep. Okay. Okay, Stefan Kreischnick. Kreischnick. Yep. Okay. See, I told you if I go fast, <laughs> people won't even go. notice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're good.